Almighty God, you have given your only son to be for us a sacrifice for sin and also an example of godly life. Give us grace to receive thankfully the fruits of his redeeming work and to follow daily in the blessed steps of his most holy life. Through Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning, church. Yesterday, I was talking with my husband's uh, grandma, and she's like, are, are you going to be talking tomorrow? My husband's grandparents, they always watch our church from Springfield, which is one of those cool things that I sometimes forget. I love being in this room with all of you, but that there are also some people that, that are still joining us online, and they let us know that we'll be watching, we'll, we'll be there. Um, so uh, I told her, I was like, well, tomorrow might be just a little bit different, because instead of me sharing some thoughts with you or some things about what we're doing upstairs, I'm going to invite you to be a part of this time. Um, today's a really special day for our church, not because there's anything special on, on the church calendar worldwide, but because today is Move Up Sunday, which we have been preparing for for weeks. Your kids have been counting down to this is the day, and I know it makes all the difference in the world to them when their labels switch over from saying kindergarten to first grade or fifth grade to sixth grade. It is a big moment. It's a big deal. But we have move-up day to coincide with the fact that there are also big moments and big deals happening in many of our families where our kids are going back to school. This is kind of that, that moment, like what January 1st is sometimes to us as adults, the beginning of school is kind of for, for our families and for our communities. It's just this moment to start over again. So I'm just going to invite you. You don't have to leave your seat, but if you are in school, so K through 12th grade, if you are in school, would you just raise your hand for me this morning? You guys are going back. Some of you maybe have already gone back. Some of our homeschooling families have already started. Okay, keep your hand up. You don't have to stand up. You don't have anything else. Just keep it up. If you are a teacher in one of our schools, will you go ahead and put your hand up as well in a school? If you work in a school in any capacity, support, you are, you are ministering to kids on a daily basis. Okay, thank you. If you work in any of our kids' areas here at church, you are ministering to children. Will you raise your hand for me? Let me see, did I leave anybody out? We've got kids going back to school. If you're in college, you're going to college, go ahead and raise your hand. If you're in preschool, raise your hand. If you have small children at home and you are still their very first and best teacher, go ahead and raise your hand for me. And everybody, take just a peek around. Look at all the hands that are up in our sanctuary. All right, you can put them down. Now, some of you didn't have a chance to raise your hand for that. And that's okay. This is where, when we use the word family, we don't just mean the people that we're related to. We don't mean the people we share last names with. This is our chance as a family to pray for each other, to remember these kids that are going back to school, our teachers that are ministering daily to a list sometimes of hundreds of students that they get to speak truth into their life. They get to be a light to them every day. So I'm gonna, we're going to pray together this morning over all of our kids that are going back, all of our teachers, all of our families that are preparing for a transition into a new school year. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning just so thankful for the ways that you sustain us, you guide us, you protect us. Lord, you love us. Lord, when I think about starting another school year, 
Lord, there's all sorts of emotions and feelings that come with that. Excitement, anxiety, nervousness, anticipation. But Lord, we are so glad that we serve a God who goes before us and who also walks right with us. Lord, I pray for each of these kids going back to school, Lord, that this would be a year, Lord, where they will learn to trust you more, Lord, that they will grow in wisdom and in favor, both with you and with the people around them. Lord, I pray for our teachers, Lord, that you would give them the wisdom and the eyes to see each of their students the way that you do. Lord, I pray for our support staff, for our parents, for our families, Lord, as we rally around each other to educate and to promote and care for the future of our church, Lord, the future of our families, the future of our country. Lord, I just pray that every child would walk into school, would start school, would sit down every day knowing, Lord, that they are dearly loved by you and that they are loved and cared for by the people around them. And Lord, we will just give you all the praise and all the glory for the way that you are moving before us, Lord, that you are making ways and that you will, um, will bless us this year. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, and so some new things are changing, new grades, new classes, new teachers. Even upstairs, we've got some new small groups. But I want to make sure that we all realize that certain things don't change just because you go into a new school, because you start a new grade, you meet a new teacher. So I'm going to have, our kids are going to help me with this just a little bit. We have three important things that we go over every week when we're upstairs. I'm like, these are three truths that I want to make sure our kids know in and out. And these are not dates on account, dates. These are not locations on the globe. These are three essential things that I'm like, if you remember these, I really believe that like you, you can make it through anything. So the first one, you guys are going to have to repeat after me. First one is, I can trust God, your arms up, no matter what. And I'm limited to one hand. Okay, let's try that together. So I can trust God, both hands, and then no matter what. Okay, good. All right, the second one I want you to remember, this one has to do with this beautiful brain that God gave us and the Holy Spirit and the way that he guides us is that I need to make the wise choice. All right, it's now it's your turn. I need to make the wise choice. All right, you guys are so good. All right, the last one, and this always is where you got to pick a couple of friends. So we're going to point to a couple people around us because I should treat other people the way I like to be treated. Can you guys do that with me? I should treat others the way I like to be treated. All right, so some things change, back to school outfits, new classes, but those things remain true. I'm going to invite Pastor Paul to come. Thank you, Pastor Mara, and those great three truths, and uh, remind us of, of uh, the changing season, how quick life's going by. We, we do, um, we have a couple uh, local missionaries, or from our local church missionaries that, that serve and in different areas. Uh, Lauren Woolham is a campus ministry missionary. And then Emma. Where's Emma? She's in here. I saw her somewhere. Emma Green is a missionary to uh, Turkey. Emma, would you stand and let people see you and appreciate you this morning? And we're... <laughs> stay standing. We're going to say a quick prayer for you. We're not going to make it. Can you still stay standing? <laughs> Church, let's all put our hands towards her and pray blessings on her. Lord, right now we pray for Emma that you will protect her and guide her and use her. Lord, that um, your spirit will go with her, that we won't forget her as she serves, 
But Lord, we will hold her up in our prayers, in our minds, knowing that she is following your will in her life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, sweetheart. We love you and we're proud of you. Uh, proud to be a part of a church that is more interested in its sending capacity than its seating capacity. And uh, you are a result of that. Uh, you're a result of people in this church investing in you, and we are praying for you. Well, I, you know, models are kind of fitness. You, you know, you get a, a model, and that's kind of a fitness model. I have found my fitness model. Big boy. <laughs> uh, this is the direction I'm going in my life. Now, we, we were in Cincinnati uh, yesterday for a funeral, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. And I thought, I'm going to have to buy one of these because I, don't, I think there's coming a day when restaurants will not advertise like this. A little short, fat guy holding a hamburger <laughs> is not going to be appealing to people. And so I'll leave that there. So we're, you know, it's a model. Uh, you know, we talk about models, and you know, it was a bad segue uh, just to, to show my little gift that I got myself yesterday. Um, but we were in, a cin in Cincinnati, uh, and we were at Frisch's. Our Frisch's, of course, in Marysville is now closed. And we're in the, uh, at a funeral for a model for Terry and, and Inus and, and Roger. And it just, just a great guy that was part of their church, uh, Mel and Joy, uh, were models for Terry. And, you know, Terry talked a, a lot about Mel. He was nearly 90, and, and jo Joy has been gone about six years. And, and, and she talked about Mel and, and the influence he had on her life. His inclusion of her, his, his reaching out, the kindness he demonstrated to her. And, and the point is this, that the way we treat one another reveals our theology. Uh, you know, I, I can tell your real theology and how you treat other people. And so the theology of Mill, uh, the importance of people, uh, spilled out on Terry. Now, now, I'm thankful for the people in my life. I've had many people in my life as a part of a local church that have just loved me, that have cared for me. And I, and I know as I look around this church, many of you can testify to the same, that there's been people that have invested in you, that have loved you. I hope our kids and our teens can look back at their time in our church with fondness, with memories of Mel's in their life that invested in them and loved them. We've been dealing with this ideal in 1 Thessalonians that people are the priority of the kingdom, that, that Paul begins with this whole process that, that people are what matter, and it matters how we treat one another. And this is especially true as we're living towards the day, the day of the Lord. Now, we've been dealing with this very difficult, scary, unknown uh, thing known as the day of the Lord, and, and we began this process with the ideal that the point's not knowing but trusting, that, that God doesn't give us like a checklist that, that we know day by day when it's going to be. It's just not in the scriptures. You know, Jesus says, I don't even know the day. And so there's a lot of unknown with regard to this day of the Lord. We, we don't have all the answers. There's, there's all sorts of theories and all sorts of um, teachings on it. It's fine if you want to dive into that. But the reality is, I don't care who you are, we don't have a complete understanding of the day of the Lord, what it will look like, when it will be. 
So we talked about the points, not knowing, but trusting. God, God invites us to this trusting relationship. And then last week we talked about guarding our hearts and our minds because this is a vulnerable area in our life. It was vulnerable for the people in Thessalonica. It's a vulnerable area in our life. And then we ended with 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you're also doing. And so Paul's saying, listen, as you, as you see, as you live with this feeling that the day of the Lord is approaching, and that's a feeling that I believe we're intended to live with, if it's true for the church in the first century, it's true for the church in the 21st century, that we should live with this awareness that the day is closer, it's nearer. And if we're going to live with that awareness, one of the things that should be going on in the body in the church, this is a letter to the church, one of the things that should be going on in the church is we should encourage one another. And then in chapter 5, verse 12, Paul begins to practically lay this out. What's this look like? How do we encourage one another? Now we ask you, beginning in verse 12, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. And so Paul begins this little instruction with the relationship between people and leaders, leaders and the church. And he invites us to this space of peace with one another. In my life, in your life, I've heard horror stories of relationships with pastors and other leaders and people in the church. All of us have heard those stories of of, of just awful circumstances between pastor and people. Um, you know, I've never experienced what I would call a horror story. There's always, can, can we be vulnerable enough to say there's always the possibility and the reality of friction in the church? But particularly in the Nate, in our world that's so rapidly changing, uh, we, we, we're, we're in the postmodern age, and uh, those of you that have been around the church long enough to, to, to know, but the postmodern age has changed people's reaction to people in authority positions. It's just the nature of life that, that in the church, that, that what a pastor could have done and said 50 years ago and people would have just followed is not necessarily the case in today's world. Um, I, I would say this, un questioned leadership is not the goal or good. As your pastor, I don't stand up before you and take this scripture and say, you need to do what I say and just listen. It was tempting. But I don't think that's good. I think as leaders, one of the things that we have to be able to have is dialogue with each other. That, that, that as a pastor, I, I can just tell you, and if you think I've made a mistake, I probably can tell you more mistakes that I've made than you could tell me. 
I'm aware that, that I make mistakes. There's things that I do that maybe weren't right. I'm doing my best, but, but I will acknowledge. There's times, some of the decisions, I think, man, maybe I should have went a different route with that. Anybody else like that in life other than me? Y'all got one hand? Thank you, Josh. The rest of you are perfect. Thank you. <laughs> you know, the better ways of dialogue, a seeking of peace, of, of respectful conversations, of a, of, of a better understanding of one another. And there's a lot of leaders in our church. It's not just pastoral staff. There's board members and team members and team leaders and teachers. And I've heard there can be conflict in the church. Um, but I've not heard any major things here. You know, this is why I'm in this passage. It's in this passage because we're preaching through 1 Thessalonians. But, but I think it's important that you understand this. As a leader, and I think I can speak for any leader in this church, my heart, my goal, what, what, what I want to see happen is the kingdom advanced. I, I would never purposefully hurt anyone with any decision. Never. And I'm not alone. I don't think I've served with anybody on a church board or in a leadership position that doesn't truly desire the best for the kingdom of God for the church. And no one has made decisions to hurt anyone's feelings. We're simply trying to build a church where people can be discipled and where our community can see Jesus Christ. That's where we start. Where Paul starts. Because often that's the place of the most conflict of the church. Paul says, listen, you got people that are making decisions and sometimes the decisions you don't agree with, but, but can you begin by seeing just the best in each other? To, to seek peace together? To, 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 to not shy away if, if, if maybe you don't understand something? You know, we're, we're, we're transparent. But, but at least approach that with an understanding that your pastor... Your leaders love you, and we want the best for this church. This is countercultural. This is not the way our world works. Oftentimes, our culture begins with character assassination. With, with, with beginning to believe that, that, that it's all some sort of scheme to, to get to you. And that's how our culture works. But church, we do not belong to this culture. We belong to his culture. Our starting point and our ending point is love. That's where it begins and that's where it ends. And then Paul begins to give six Pretty simple, clear instructions. You don't have to dive very deep into the Greek here. They're pretty clear. Warn those who are idle and disruptive. This is not Paul talking to the leaders in the church. He's talking to the people in the church. You need to warn your co-church members if they're idle and disruptive. And this idle and disruptive is one word in the original text that the New American Standard simply says, admonish the unruly. Look at your neighbor and tell them, don't be unruly, okay? It's a military term. 
It's, it's the breaking of rank. It's, it's going AWOL. It's, it, it's to, to leave the formation. It's, there, there's, a, there's a purpose and a mission and a command, and, and you're leaving that command post. Kids have just come back from, from kids camp, and uh, when they go to kids camp, I always have fond memories. I, I did kids camp for like six or seven years as a counselor and, and come back every year with not being able to walk because I couldn't sleep on their cots. But, but we'd almost every year, we would get in big rafts and you had kids that were rowers and kids that were problems, right? You know, the, the, the rowers you could handle, the ones that weren't rowing, the ones that were just doing their own things, were always the one that you had to pluck out of the water. It's harder be, to be disruptive when you're working towards the same goal. That when we can find that goal, and, and, and I truly believe, and, and I think we can clean up language, I think the goal of the church is to disciple and show Jesus. I think those two things have to happen in the church. And if we can work towards that together, it's a lot harder to be disruptive. It says encourage the disheartened. It's this coming up beside. It's, it's, it's a similar word. It's not the same words you see with the Holy Spirit, but, but it's got that imagery of coming up beside and lifting up those who are despondent, those are, who are faint-hearted. In our church body, folks, there are people that are beaten down. And so Paul's saying those people in your church, in your body, in your local congregation, in your church family that are Beat down. You, you need to come up besides them and you need to encourage them. Help the weak. In other words, help, help those who are feeling powerless. Anybody in here ever feel powerless? <laughs> you know, you got kids that are going astray, when you got health concerns, when, when finances don't seem right, right you, you can kind of feel like you have no power over your life. And, and Paul's saying, you, as a church, one of the things we do is we walk beside people who feel like they have no power. Be patient with everyone. Oh, why does he have to use that word everyone? Everyone makes it harder, right? You know, sometimes it's hard to be patient with family and friends, but most of the time we love them so much we're willing to be patient. So let me ask you. Who gets under your skin in the church? Everybody, ha don't say their name or point. But who's that person that can get under your skin quicker than anyone else? They, all, all they have to do is give you that look. And you're... Everyone includes Everyone. Paul's saying, listen, I'm not talking about the people that it's easy to be patient with. I'm talking about the people that it's really, really hard to be patient with. That the people where God is really stretching you. You realize God even places people in the church to stretch us, right? And he stretches our patience. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. 
You know, you know you real, and this is something we need to realize or, or understand in our life. You don't have to win every time. Who's bad losers? Anybody here bad losers? You don't have to win every time. You don't have to win every exchange. You don't have to win every debate. You don't have to win every argument. See, that's the point of forgiveness. The point of forgiveness is letting go of our incessant need to be right and, and verified. Paul said you don't have to correct every wrong in the body. You don't have to pay back wrong for wrong. And finally, strive to do what is good for each other and everyone else. Do good. That's pretty straightforward, right? This isn't rocket science. This is something you can teach. A first, this is the kind of stuff you tell your kids when they go to kindergarten, right? You're going to be with other people. So, hey, you know, be kind, be patient. Don't, don't try to right every wrong. Don't pay back wrongs with wrongs. Can we start where we started this? Our starting point and our ending point is love. And Paul could have simply said, hey, as you see the day approaching, love one another. Right? That has sounded really good. Faith, hope, and love one another. And, and Paul could have said that, and that could have been the end of it. Last week in our family text, we have a family text, and, and usually it's not real deep, right? It's who, who are the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers drafting, those kind of things, real important things to, to, to the world. But in the family text, we were talking about agape love. It's never that deep. I don't know how it got that deep, but it's just the boys and their spouses. And, 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 and somebody in the, in the chat, I can't remember who it was, said, you know, I don't even know if it's possible to love agape, to love like God. That, that's such a high goal. And then I started thinking about that and started reflecting on that. And, and what I see in the scripture is, Love begins in simplicity. You know, Jesus doesn't, you know, he invites us. That's the goal. He's calling us. Hey, love like God, agape love. But then he gives these simple instructions. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Be kind. Be generous. Don't pay back wrong for wrong. Strive to do what's good for each other and for everyone else. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. All these simple little steps towards love. I'm reminded, it's been, well, it's been 60 years ago. Vince Lombardi stood up in a, in a beginning of a football practice with the Green Bay Packers, and he held up a football. Does anybody know what he said? He said, boys, this is a football. <laughs> You know, he begins with this simplicity. You know, you got to remind him, listen, we play football, and this is the ball, the football. God starts with the simple. It doesn't begin with the seemingly unattainable love like God, but it's the simple invitation of kindness. We put up in the last series a quote from a, a furniture store I worked at. A little human kindness from person to person is better than a vast love for all humankind. And I think that's true. 
But also, if you cannot start with simple acts of kindness, we will never move on to greater acts of love. That, that, that if we get stuck, if we're saying, okay, I'm going for unattainable, God-like love, but we can't simply be kind to each other, you'll never get to the point of love. See, we're invited, we're encouraged to see each other differently here in this place, in this space, and the world's looking at how we treat one another. It's a witness to who Jesus is. And this is particularly true if we're living with this understanding that we're near the day of the Lord. And we're a different culture. We're countercultural. We're, we're a different kingdom. Caesar is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. Can I go back to Mel? Mel was part of a big family in the church. Matter of fact, it was the key family in the church. He had no children. Mel and Joy had no biological children, but they had many nieces and nephews as part of the church. But his circle was greater. That that Mel looked at the church, and he saw Terry, and he saw Roger. And, and Jim, until later years, wasn't saved. He wasn't in church. And, and so it was Ina's taking the kids by herself. And Mel saw those kids. And he included them. And he loved them. Not, not because of some great act. He didn't die on the cross. He didn't give them everything he had. But simple acts of acceptance, kindness, and exclusion. Inclusion. They felt like family in the church. Hear me. In the church, family is more than biology. It's more than bloodlines. It's even more than last names. In the church, we are the family. I love this church. As your pastor, I love you. And, and what I see in your character, that this is your character. That, that you have embraced those who've come before. And, and I believe Emma and Lauren and others that have went out and served are an example of how you have adopted family virtues in this church and love people. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we, we get so busy and, and sometimes we get so preoccupied with good things that we let go of better things. You know, our, our families, our, our friends matter, but God is calling us to this space where it's bigger than just my blood biological family and bigger than just my friends, but it's here, it's all. We're not families worshiping together. We are the family of God worshiping together. Let me ask you, who do you need to include? Who is God laying on your heart that's somebody you need to reach out to? And you don't have to love them like Jesus, but can you be kind? Can you include? Can you just begin to make steps? You're here. There's a place for you here. We want you here. We want you to feel like you belong. And, and I know sometimes, even when you're part of a body, sometimes that's difficult. 
If you don't feel like you've connected, see me. See one of your pastoral staff. We'll help you. We'll do all that we can. Small groups, collective, Sunday school classes, serve groups. This is the last day to sign up for serve day. I have found that in serving, you make connections that you'll make no other time. Serving at Uptown Friday night, doing these things are places where you can make connections. And I'd encourage you, see me, sign up. There's a place for you here. We want this to be your home, your family. Can we, can we acknowledge that we're not perfect here? Give me an amen. If you're not perfect, too, okay? I'm not perfect, but we are family. There are no orphans here. There are no loners here. There is no one without family here. It's one of those passages that, that I don't think anybody else really affects, but it affects me every time I read it. Jesus is sitting with the disciples, and, and his family's thinking that he's went around the bend, and they're coming to get him. And, they, and the disciples say, hey, your, your brothers and your sisters and your mom's outside to get you and take you away. That, that's the connotation of this passage. And Jesus turns and he says, Looks at these disciples and those around. He says, behold, my brothers and my sisters, can you look around you? Behold, your brothers and your sisters. There are no orphans. There are no loners here. Paul says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, can we acknowledge Paul's not writing to a family, he's writing to a church. He's writing to the family of God. It's a place where we learn to be kind and gentle and generous and patient and forgiving. Are you living that? How can you practically express these concepts this week? Is there a card you can send, a cup of coffee, a lunch, an invitation to your house? All Heads bowed. Let's bring the lights down. I think we need space. We always need space for the Spirit to speak. And so I'm just going to invite you to that space to allow the Spirit to speak to you. Then I'm going to close this in prayer. Lord, help us to hear your voice this morning. Our Heavenly Father. Even the prayer invites us into a different space. You don't invite us to pray, my heavenly Father. You invite us to pray, our heavenly Father. Lord, you invite us to the space where we are brothers and sisters, joint heirs with Jesus, connected with one another in an internal way. Lord, oftentimes we get so busy. Life can separate us. And can we acknowledge that we have an enemy of our soul? Not just as individuals, but we have an enemy that hates this church. And his 
the way, the method, the temptation that largely is used in the church is not to convince us or tempt us to do very, very evil things. But there's temptation, Lord, to get caught up in the less than grand things that you're calling us to. Get caught up in busy work. His goal is to divide. Divide leaders from people and people from each other. Lord, may your spirit reveal when this is happening so that, Lord, we can have peace and love and kindness and grace even when our culture pulls us in other ways. Lord, I'm thankful for the witness of this community. I'm thankful for those who are serving the pastors I know, Joe and Vicki and Christy. Lord, that we're part of this church. Lord, there's others. I pray, Lord, though we will not rest on the past, but Lord, you'll allow us You'll help us. You'll you'll guide us now so that when people come into this place, they experience home and family. That they're truly connected with one another. Lord, help us to do the simple things first. To care for one another. To be kind. To, to, to help those who are disheartened, to, to help those who are weak, to be generous with our resources, generous with our time, generous with our emotions. Lord, I know sometimes it's difficult. Life can be hard. But Lord, help us to seek your face, your kingdom, your way. Now, Lord, as we go from this place, this is an opportunity. Even as we leave this room, there's an opportunity as we're with family to love one another like family. Lord, may that be our attitude. May that be our desire. Even more so as we sense the day approaching. Now be with us and guide us. And we pray these things in the name of our brother, Jesus. And all God's family said, Amen. God bless, folks.